Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And our guest today is Aileen Day, coming from sunny Melbourne, which is unusual for Melbourne, for those Australians who know the city. It's not always sunny there. No. Uh, Aileen is a CCXP, goodness me, a Certified Customer Experience Practitioner. Welcome, Aileen. Thank you. Thanks, gentlemen, for having me. It's uh, nice to come and hang out with you. So uh, help me understand, what is a Certified Customer Experience Practitioner? What, what does that mean and what do you do? So a CCXP is the what they call the highest designation or recognition that you can get when you are um, a person that works in the customer experience, field of customer experience. So like many things like customer service and customer experience has its own disciplines and uh, basically to uh, have the letters after your name means that you have satisfied a number of credentials to um, be considered a, a certified practitioner nice. in the industry. I like it. So, okay, well, what's the difference then between customer experience and customer service? Let's let's split some hairs here. Yeah, absolutely, because it's one of the most common questions and confusions that I get when I tell people that I work in customer experience and they try to correct me and they're like, oh, customer service. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's different and Essentially, customer service is a portion. So if you think of like a, a pie graph, you know, it's a, a real slice of the pie when it comes to a whole pie of customer experience. So customer experience relates back to the systems, the processes, the operations, everything that is involved in creating an experience for your customer before they even needed you or knew they needed you to the day they use you to the day they never think of you again. Okay, so so customer experience then involves everyone on the team. It's it's a it's a team effort, so to speak. It's not it's not just the person on the phone talking to the customer who's complaining about the three cent charge on their account. Absolutely. It is it has to be to create successful customer experiences uh, and and customer loyalty, which is the ultimate goal of a customer experience, everybody has to be responsible for it. Everybody plays a part mm-hmm. in it. And so and so then how I mean are businesses actually going, we need more than customer service agents. We need to embrace this idea of a whole whole of customer experience. You know, how how prevalent is that now? To be honest, in Australia, it's actually still uh, quite in its infancy. On October 5th, we just uh, celebrated uh, Global Customer Experience Day. And here in Australia, it was barely a blip in the radar. And then I've got, you know, a number of colleagues over in the US and they were having parties and, you know, it is a huge thing and customer experience in its sense of what it delivers to a business is 
a much more advanced thing in other countries. It's certainly something that here in Australia, a lot of businesses actually don't understand it and therefore don't know they need it. You know, that old adage, you don't know what you don't know. So there becomes this whole piece around educating a business owner on what customer experience actually is, who's responsible for it, and how you even get started implementing it into your business. And so, I mean, most people, I mean, you know, there's always polarisation. So if, if people are, you know, that's why, I like, in a net promoter scores, I'm never a fan of because, you know, you'll, but as a business owner, you'll always get the person who dislikes what happened, mm. sending you some really nasty feedback or worst case going on to Google reviews or something and doing that. Yeah. But how do you get the the good reviews? I mean, how do you, you without going out and asking for them, how do you get those <laughs> who've had a wonderful customer experience telling their friends about it? Well, and and in the in the vein of a net promoter system or a net promoter school, which we've all heard or seen, we might not know that's what it's called, but we've all filled in a survey that basically says how likely are you to recommend, uh, you know, X, Y, Z to your friends and colleagues. That's a net promoter school, and to get people rating you in the nines and tens, which means that they're a promoter of what you do. You have to actually be really strategic in what you're doing. You can't just, you know, blatantly throw mud at a wall and hope something sticks and hope that people will go, oh, that was brilliant. You know, you have to actually understand what that customer journey looks like. And the first thing I always say to my clients is, what's your vision for your business? What's your, what are the values that you live by? And knowing those two things What do you want to deliver to your customers to make them come back? And a lot of times people go into business because they have a burning desire or they're good at something and or they want to help people, but they don't quite understand the steps that have to be taken to make sure that that A is achieved and B is achieved in a way that actually helps the customer, not the business, you know, and too often businesses create uh, procedures, for example, that are made to help the business. They're not made to help the customer. You know, take your common uh, returns procedure at most retailers. You know, if they if they don't want to take it, they'll find every excuse under the sun not to take it. But that's not for the customer. That's a procedure that they've built in for themselves. So, therefore, the customer experience is dilapidated at best and it doesn't create customer loyalty so what they need to do to get the good and the great feedback is they need to be really strategic in that customer journey that they're going to put their customers through what are the steps what are the touch points what are the systems that they're going to put in place to support each of those touch points what are the tools they're going to use to make sure that they're getting it right at each step of the of the journey, those are the things that help create ultimately a really great customer experience. So, so on your resume, on your on your on your blurb, your bio, it says you've worked with Coles, Bunnings, and 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 Office Works, and and I and I'm picking on those three deliberately because in my mind those are are transactional based businesses. Mm. In other words, 
Yes, you could go to the competitor. You could go to Woolworths. You could go to IGA. Mm. Um, but ultimately, people will flip-flop between Coles and Woolworths. Yeah. Um, Bunnings pretty much dominates the market, as does Officeworks. Mm. Uh, so it's interesting that you've highlighted those three as being absolutely focused on the customer experience. Just to share some of thoughts around that transactional business being customer-focused. I think Officeworks is um, a really good example of a transactional business in a lot of cases because of the technology that they sell or the the commodity that they work in, it is uh, so easily available to purchase online and probably cheaper in some instances. So people have this opportunity, you know, it's a little bit harder to go buy a shovel or a lawnmower online than it is to go and buy a laptop. But when it comes to Officeworks, they realised that there was this portion of their business that was absolutely transactional if they didn't change the way they did business. So what they started to understand was it was one thing for people to come in and start understanding or asking questions around specs about a computer, but ultimately what they were doing was they were just shopping around and then they would go off and they would buy it online. So Bunnings, uh, sorry, Officeworks had to understand, well, that's the customer journey that they're going on. So how do we mitigate that end part happening? How do we make our value proposition so good that they actually don't want to buy it online? They want to buy it from us. And it's not to say that it's foolproof by any measure, any measure at all, because there are people, I've got colleagues who purely uh, will only buy online. And if you're smart about it, you can get some great deals. But the reality is that for that type of retailer, yes, it's going to be largely transactional, but the relationship that they can build in person can be the difference between that customer experience ending right there or that customer experience becoming a relationship-based experience where they come back time and time again. Interesting example. What what are what then are the basics of a good customer experience? Can you boil it down? Is it that simple? Yeah, I mean, in in a lot of cases, it actually is that simple. I mean, the first thing that you really need to do is you need to make sure that whatever you're offering is what the customer wants. Plain and simple. If you're offering something that is, uh, you know, done before, uh, not done well, not well thought out selfish or or ingenuine, then you're not going to win. Know what you're selling is of a value add to your customer. That is the first thing you need to do. The second thing is to have the procedures and the systems in place to be able to sell it in a way that doesn't cause too much friction. If there's too much friction in the way that I have to create a purchase, uh, you know, and sometimes Bunnings can be a little bit like this. And in, in my experience, we used to have customers saying, I just want to give you my money. What do I have to do to give you my money? Like, why do you make this so hard? And and that wasn't necessarily something that would be a on-purpose thing, but it was certainly a quick lesson to learn. So in business, it's no different. If people If people feel friction in giving you their money, your journey isn't isn't doing its job. So understanding how to take the friction out, and that means putting 
the right tools in, the right systems in, the right people in. And then lastly, I think so much of it comes down to what I call the human experience. And if you don't have the right humans in that experience, then it will all fall down, no matter how good your product is, no matter how good your systems are. So you need to get the right humans and you need to be able to have those humans deliver the right type of experience. Because even, as you said, Raul, if it all goes to custard and I hate the experience, in my experience, I have been able to turn people around from wanting to sue an organisation to walking away at least not wrapped but placid and content with the outcome purely because I treat them like a human being, because I show empathy, because I understand that we didn't get it right. And so many businesses can learn from just understanding that they're working with another human and not, you know, cut, they treat customers poorly, customers treat businesses poorly. It just is, it really does break the back of a good experience. I mean, you know, part of one of my businesses has been in finance for 21 years and it, it amazes me when I have to call a bank myself. Like, I, you know, I call their cut, their, their, the, the broker line or my team call the broker lines all the time and they get answers. But I've recently had to sort some stuff out for myself using the front end supposed customer service line. And lucky I know people in the bank, otherwise nothing would have ever happened. Yeah. You know. Um, so that tells me their, their customer journey, their, pro- their processes, their governance as to what to do, when to do it how to do it, why they're doing it is broken. And don't don't think that just because they're a big business that they've got it right. I tell you, Officeworks certainly didn't have it right when I first walked in there at all. They, they didn't even listen to customers. So then how do you perfect that listening process? Uh, I, <clears throat> I went on a holiday to Tasmania recently. I went to a tourist attraction and uh, didn't have a good experience. So I wrote about my not good experience on uh, TripAdvisor. Mm. And the owner of the business sent me a filthy email um, with a whole lot of vitriol complaining about my feedback and, and said that I was vindictive and a whole bunch of other adjectives, which just surprised the hell out of me. Uh, and so... I thought by giving feedback, feedback is, in my opinion, is a golden opportunity to improve. Um, so talk to me about the listening process and, and what do you do when you get feedback which you're not happy about? Yeah, look, I think so many of us are scared uh, to hear what other people think of us. And I have such um such a struggle sometimes with some clients trying to convince them to listen to what their customers think and uh, and know that it comes from a place of frustration. But in your experience, I can only see like horrendous ego coming back at you. And, you know, we say that our businesses are like our babies, but sometimes they bloody well shouldn't be because, you know, we we don't uh, put ourselves in a position to learn from what we're hearing and we just take it all on board so personally instead of being 
objective about it, we take it like you've just slashed my throat. How dare you not have a great experience? Everybody else loved it. I haven't heard any complaints from everybody else. Well, you want to know why you didn't hear any complaints from anybody else? Because for every one person, and this is an absolute true statistic, every one person that does what you did, Lindsay, there's 26 more who walked away without saying a single One to 26, word. the number's it's 26. gone 26. When I worked at Bunnings, right, we, we, we worked with a research company. It was one in 10, and that was about seven years ago. So seven years on, it's one in 26. So I tell you right now, for every one piece of feedback that you get that you think is unsavory about the experience you delivered, know there's 26 others who quite likely felt the same, if not worse, just couldn't be bothered telling you. That is horrendous. It's it's interesting you say that because uh, we we you know when you're travelling around you bump into the same people all the time or, or mm. coincidentally we kept bumping into the same travellers, and we spoke to two other people the next day who had been to that same attraction and they had weird experiences as well, and uh, were offended or not happy, and yet they obviously didn't take the step to give the feedback. I wonder, you know, are we missing opportunities as uh, are businesses missing opportunities absolutely. not asking their customers, are you happy? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I kind of look at feedback. I love feedback. I love customer feedback. You know, I used to be in charge of customer feedback for the country, for Australia and New Zealand when I worked at Bunnings. And we would we would pull in upwards of 1,500 pieces of unsolicited feedback every week and my team would file through all of that every week and it was fascinating to see the types of experiences people were having. But if you took them all to heart rather than taking the opportunity to see them as a learning opportunity, rather than taking them as the opportunity to do something better, to make it better for the customer, you would be out of business in a heartbeat. It won't be long until I could I could put money on it that that uh, attraction that you went to, they continue down that path. They will not be in business in five more years. So and Bones is obviously it's a devastating. A cashed up organization, they're organized, they've got you know the wherewithal to handle that feedback. What about a smaller business? How do you how do you get feedback from your customer? How do you deal with it and and make it work for a you know a business that may, may only have five staff or less? Yeah. And and you know what's interesting in those scenarios is that people actually become a little bit nervous about giving you honest feedback because you're so small and it's more likely that you're going to know that feedback came from me. Therefore, if I say anything horrible or less than, you know, delightful, uh, you're going to know it was me and maybe you'll treat me differently. So they don't give you honest feedback. And that makes it really, really difficult. So I generally say to my customers, I want you to ask for feedback or at least regularly check in. And uh, one of the things I love is a lot of my uh, clients are service-based clients. So they spend time in front of people and I love having them learn about body language right? So it's a it's a telltale sign, body language. You don't even realise you're doing it half the time. And it's a really great way to tune in to what the customer is actually thinking and go, hey, 
Are you okay? And they'll go, oh, oh, let's talk about it. But you have to be, the very first thing you have to do is be open to hearing the things you don't want to hear. So are people scared of, I mean, yes, we're scared of being told we were wrong or we did a bad job. I mean, that's just a human trait. But are we scared of the fact that that it's so easy today to put a negative review on Google and that, and then I get all these emails from people saying, we can remove your negative reviews. Well, that also defeats the objective. But yeah. but, but are, are, are companies getting scared of Google reviews? Because I know my kids all under the age of 30, the first thing they do is go to Google before they look at a store. Absolutely. Because... To, to so many consumers, Google reviews now or Facebook reviews tends to be a point of truth that is out of the control of the organisation, right? So if we think about the testimonials we see on people's websites, that's curated at, at, a, at, at least by the people that own that website, right? They're not going to go and put all the crappy feedback up there. They're going to put the glowing feedback up there. Whereas when it comes to Google reviews or Facebook reviews, that's out of their control. The trust pilot reviews, that's out of their control. So they are the point of truth for a lot of consumers. And so they should be. And businesses, I think, yes, they're scared, but I would say that's because they don't appreciate what they're learning from that feedback. They don't appreciate how to respond in a way that's actually going to uh, turn that customer around and and what we call customer recovery. And that's not to say that they're going to go from being upset with you to a raving fan, but that's to say at least you might get them to stop like putting you in the can at the next time they see somebody and and you come up in topic of conversation. But they don't have the skill sets, I think, in so many instances to know how to appropriately, as your review goes to show, Lindsay, uh, the response to your review, they don't have the skill sets to, number one, be objective about the response, be objective about the feedback, but number two, treat the person like they're a human being. Like there's no empathy in what it sounds like you got back. There's no, um, I, I certainly wouldn't think that a business that can respond to a customer in that manner with all of those adjectives, which I love a good adjective, but adjective, but to put that in writing to a customer feedback is horrendous. And I would think, you know, when we talk about aligning your customer journey to your vision and your values and the things that matter to you and the things that you want your customers to care about, they don't have any of that. So you need to have those things first to then be able to manage feedback appropriately and turn customers from being upset or detractors, as they would be in the NPS uh, realm, to, to at least being passive, if at best, a promoter of what you do. So how easy is it and how costly is it for, for companies of any size to start on this journey to improving their customer experience? You know what? I I could tell you you could do it for $0. I could tell you you could go and spend $10,000. You could go and spend half a million dollars. It is honestly one of those things where the disciplines of customer experience can cost you as much as you want it to cost. 
I had a customer who uh, owned a uh, op shop, um, uh, like a op clothing shop, antique shop, and she wanted to know, you know, if she had returned customers. We got her a 50-cent exercise book and every customer that came in was asked what uh, their postcode was and if they'd been in the store before. Once she understood what the return of her customers were, so every time they came back, they would report back, yes, I'm, I'm back again, here's my postcode. She understood a couple of things. So she understood what we call her customer draw, where she was drawing customers in from, and if her customers who were coming in were indeed repeat customers. And that cost 50 cents and two questions. Love it. Right. It doesn't take a lot to kickstart a wonderful customer experience in your business. On the flip side, you could go and spend $100,000 a year, hire Qualtrics to implement a customer feedback uh, closed loop system. You know, it really, it really does depend on your budget. But the reality is that to put resistance against customer experience once you know what it can do for your business is bad for business. Customer loyalty alone can improve your bottom line by anywhere between 25 and 95% in increased profit. Just because customers love you, they want to spend more money with you. I like the sound of that. Aileen, I'm sorry to say this, but we are out of time. Um, Should our listeners want to get in touch with you and maybe explore how you could assist them develop a customer experience, what's the best way for them to contact you? Um, I would think on my website, aileenday.com.au, there's a whole lot of information there and all of my socials and uh, information about what customer experience is. So and let's just clarify, Aileen is spelled A-I-L-E-E-N. Correct. And the last name is Day, D-A-Y. So it's aileenday.com.au. That's it. Beautiful. Thank you, Aileen, for being a guest, talking to us about a customer experience and how to improve customer experience. Uh, thank you to my co-host, Lindsay Adams. This is Rail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can download a number of free resources to help you on your journey to excellence in both business and in life.